1: Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Big news in the last 24 hours, Carlos Correa stunningly has signed With the Minnesota Twins, a three-year deal worth $105 million over the three years. There are opt-outs after years one and two. That was a team that was on nobody's radar. And we're going to get into that. Charlie Smith back with me tonight. So, Charlie, what were you doing when you found out Carlos Correa had signed with the Twins? (laughs)
0: having a snack (laughs) i just got this notification says carlos correa signed three years i said oh wow and then i saw the team and i said wait what that wasn't even like that wasn't even a team that was rumored to to be going after carlos correa but um you know not long after that i I very quickly just for a couple minutes saw the beginning of uh you know video that you had posted um didn't get to listen to the rest of it until uh after so you know I appreciate the shout out, but I've been very adamant about this whole Carlos Correa business. People are really hyped up on him, and longevity and, and durability are two things that people just want to forget. Like it's, it's like willful ignorance, I guess, for lack of a better term. It just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what else you want to call it, but it's, it's, it's tough. Um, but Minnesota just got much better with, with Correa there. I'm curious to see, how many games he plays. um, But I'm also curious to see how him and Byron Buxton together are going to be able to um, work together. I'm curious to see how they work. You know, I'm really curious.
1: Well, I slept until 10 AM this morning. And the first thing I did was I grabbed my phone to see if Trevor story had signed with the Red Sox. Of course he hasn't and we'll be getting into Trevor's story here shortly. But I saw the Carlos Correa news. I'm laying in bed, like I've been awake for like 17 seconds, and Carlos Correa has signed with the Twins. I'm like, how did how does this happen? Who who saw that coming? Nobody nobody oh. saw the Twins coming. So I just even now, several hours later, it's just it's so weird to process because it was looking like he was going to sign with the Astros on a probably a similar deal. It wasn't going to be a 10 year deal, but it was going to be a deal that would have opt outs that would let him get back into the market again. And late last night, right before I went to bed. Martin Maldonado, the catcher for Houston, sent out this cryptic tweet that said, in all caps, I tried, with a bunch of crying emo- emojis. So at this point, I'm thinking, okay, I'm like, he's pr- he might be signing with Baltimore. There were rumors that Baltimore was willing to lock him up long term. And it makes sense, as weird as it might sound, for him to go to Baltimore, It does make sense because most of the executives in the front office in Baltimore came from Houston. So there's connections there. And every now and then they come out of nowhere with a big contract, the Chris Davis contract, for instance. Um, So that was kind of where I thought he would go. But when I I woke up this morning and saw it was the Twins, I, I was pretty stunned. Here's what's interesting, though. A lot, well, a few of the the shortstops, middle infielders, signed before the lockout. Yeah, you had two of them go to the Texas Rangers. One, Corey Seager, $325 million. I think that's over 10 years, 10 or 12 years. It's definitely $325 10 years, thank you. And they also signed Marcus Simeon to $175 million over seven years. And he's a little bit older than... Uh, the rest of the free agents. You also had Javi Baez go to the Tigers for around 120 million. So only Corey Seager gets a mega deal out of this whole class. And it was the Texas Rangers that gave it to him. So basically 29 other teams kind of corrected the market. And you know, with a massive market correction, it wasn't the winter we thought it would be for any of these guys.
0: I was shocked as soon as uh, Seager signed for ten three twenty five. It was ten years three twenty five. Um, we saw Marcus Simeon go for uh, seven and one seventy five because he got twenty five million per. And that's half a billion dollars in two players by the Texas Rangers. And I don't remember them. Half a billion. (laughs) The last time that I remember seeing those kind of numbers get, like, thrown out was when the Yankees signed CeCe Sabathia, A.J. Burnett, Mark Teixeira, and I forget who the fourth person was, and they'd spent over $500 million. They basically bought the 2009 World Series. They bought the best uh, starting pitcher. Then who was left? Who was the next available starting pitcher? That was the best one. Okay, we're going to take him. Who's next? Who's the best hitter? We're going to take him. And the Yankees just took whoever was. They like, just took everybody. They bought it. Uh, that's that's a statement of fact. You're not going to argue that with me. If you argue that and you try to prove another point, you're wrong. Um, but uh, there there's just, I was panicked. I was like, oh my god, teams are going to be signing three hundred million, uh, you know, multiple deals and and and. That wasn't, I, I don't remember if Corey Seeger signed that before or after uh, my tweet that I had posted about how I did not say that Carlos Correa is a $300 million player. He's just not. And um, I, I'm curious to see what the Rangers were doing when they made that. Maybe the three was supposed to be a two. Maybe it was supposed to be 10 years, 225. I have no idea. But that was still a big gaff, big mistake. But no other team balked on it. No other team said, "Oh yeah, yeah, we gotta, we gotta overpay to get these players because owners are, are they're getting smart." I mean, you, this is the only sport where people seem to play for past performance. Like, oh, you hit forty home runs six years ago, maybe you'll do it again. We gotta <laughs> sign you for eight years and thirty-five million per. No, it's just, it just, it was dumb. Some of these contracts are absolutely insane. Like Juan Soto, people are talking about him getting $500 million. What? Like it's just – it's insane. Like I think he's a really good player, but $500 million is an insane amount of money. Like unless you're signing like a 20-year deal, you're, you know, you're signing for the rest of your life. I, I can't imagine why somebody would be making that kind of money. Even so, five, 20 years is insane. 13 years was insane when uh, uh, Fernando Tatis signed. But uh, like you mentioned, you know the course correction was absolutely necessary because Major League Baseball is not going to be able to sustain itself having these multiple 250 to 300 million plus players getting signed. Uh, the Rangers looked kind of foolish when you think about it because I don't think Marcus Simeon gets six 120 in too many options, and he ended up getting seven 120 seven 125. And I don't think there was another team that was willing to even pay 200 to 220 for Corey Seeger. So the 325 blew my mind away. It baffles me.
1: They probably outbid themselves. And I have a feeling they probably thought Correa was going to get north of 325 that they were paying for Seeger. So, and Seeger, I, I, I crap on Correa for not being durable. He's played more than 110 games twice. So that's not the type of durability that justifies a 10 year contract. Corey Seager is far more injury prone than even Correa is. So I, I don't think Corey Seager had the luxury of of bidding and playing a waiting game. He's like 325, Really? That's what you're going to offer me. All right. I'm just going to take it now while I have it. And that's going to be a terrible contract. He, he isn't going to be healthy throughout his 30s. He's just he doesn't have the toughness. He's not a gamer. I think Correa is a little tougher, but still he misses a lot of time and and I, he just wasn't worth it and no team was willing to give it to him other than maybe Baltimore, which I still haven't seen a guy Excuse me, like Ken Rosenthal come out and say, Yeah, that was on the table. We've seen very obscure sources that apparently have close ties to Baltimore, but, but you've gone through the numbers yourself. He's never, he's never hit more than 100 ribbies, never hit 30 home runs, only hit higher than 279 one time in his career. I had a tweet a couple, uh, I don't know, it was last week, or the week before. He's only finished in the MVP top 10 one time, and it was last year. He finished fifth in the MVP voting. His two other closest was a 21st place finish and a 27th place finish. So this is not a guy who's a perennial MVP. And if you're making 300 or more, that's that's perennial MVP type money. That's a really good point. Corey Seager in his second year, they thought he was going to be like the second
0: coming. He actually finished third for the MVP vote that year, and he actually won the Rookie of the Year. He's finished in the top 10 twice, one other time, and that was back in 2020. Corey Seager's actually played 130-plus games, three seasons. Uh, He played in 2016, 2017, and 2019. 2020 is an anomaly because, obviously, that was the, uh, the goofy year um 2021 he was injured 2018 he was injured 2015 he was a rookie so that doesn't really count but you're looking at two major years where he didn't he wasn't able to play because of injuries he's also hit over 300 three times including e- e- including each of the last two seasons so he's definitely getting on base if you look at the numbers between him and correa correa's had a, uh, more home runs he's had more rbis he's stolen more bases he's not as good of a hitter um, as Seager is. And I think if, if you have to put one against the other, I think with, uh, if people are just going to count war as like a stat, I'm pretty sure that Korea has him on that one too.
1: I would probably take Korea over the two because I, I just feel like he's going to be a little bit more durable. I don't like him as right. much though. I think he has the tendency to be a punk when he wants to be. Uh, Corey right. Seager kind of a class act. I just, I hate the lack of durability with him is I agree is what it comes down to. And I'm not shocked that he got relegated to, uh, just the three year deal. Now he's going to hit the market next year. And I don't know why that's going to be any different really. So, but do you want to know the one person who is just absolutely horrified by how this has played out? One of our co-hosts? Nope. No who? <laughs> Xander Bogarts. has to be horrified okay. because Okay, I'm listening. His his opt-out was perfectly positioned. You got Baez, you got Story, you got Correa, you got Seeger. They're are, they're gonna be all free agents and you know coming into 2022, and then he's gonna have the market next year all to himself. And then what happens? Oh, you're right. And then what happens? Seeger gets his money. So they were off to a good start. Baez, not a lot of money. Correa, just a three year deal now. Some people might say he's better than Bogart's. It's a compelling uh, argument, but and then and then Trevor Story's elbow is a mess, apparently. So right. he's not getting his money. And now he's gonna take a short term deal. Correa already has his short term deal. So that's two other shortstops going to be on the market with Bogarts next year. So what do you, what do you think this means for Bogarts? Um, well, I've been saying it for
0: a while. I don't think Bogarts wants to stay in Boston. Anyways, he wants to get paid. Uh, the Red Sox have clearly shown that that's not the top priority. In fact, I don't really know who the top priority is because if it's not Devers, and Xander hasn't gotten the money. What are we doing? Like what what is the direction that the team is going? If someone put a gun to my head, and said tell me what the Red Sox are thinking. I would say you have to shoot me, bud, because I don't know. Like we we've given out a lot of big contracts to some players that could potentially be damning and they could potentially hurt us and prevent us from being able to make those moves that we want to have or or those players we want to have and the moves that we want to make. Um I didn't think about that until, you know, you just mentioned that, but you're absolutely right about the whole Xander because that that is pretty like you're going like, okay, cool. It's just going to be me to now. I got three. That sucks.
1: He's not happy.
0: No, you're right.
1: I, I have a take on this and it, and it does differ a little bit from yours. Okay. Here's what I think is going to happen. Xander's a Boris guy. Correa is a Boris guy. Boris isn't going to want them in the market together. He's got, he's going to want one of them to sign early. And I think if you go back to last summer, I think Xander was probably resigned to the fact he would opt out and probably be paying for uh, playing for another team because the other team is going to give him the money. The Red Sox probably won't. Here's what I think will happen. I think Xander in his heart of hearts wants to stay. He wants to play for Alex Cora and it's the only organization he's ever been in. He debuted when he was 20 years old and he's going to be 28, 29 this year, something like that. So that's a big chunk of his life. Almost a third of his life. He's been in this organization, not counting, you know, coming up through the minors and being signed, you know, as an international free agent, but Here's what I think is going to happen. I think Boris is going to try to reach out to the Red Sox and say, what can we do? What are you guys willing to do with Xander? He's worth more than he's getting, which is $20 million per year. And this is what year 2019 was year one. So this would be year four of six. So he's halfway through his, his one hundred and twenty million dollar six year extension. I think Boris is going to try to leverage uh, an extension with the Red Sox and try to get it done early. That way, next year they're not competing against each other, and and then Correa will probably have the market to himself. But I don't think the Red Sox really want to do it. Still,
0: I I, I'm a, I am inclined to agree with you. Um, this is. So I just wanted to quickly double check on it too, because I want to make sure before I spoke, because I've, you know, gapped a couple times, uh, past couple shows. Just, um, you know, being honest with myself here. Six-year deal was signed on April 1st of 2019. Less than three years ago, he got his extension. Six-year deal, 120 million, that he accepted. That he accepted. I'm not a huge fan of players. You know, if Xander Bogarts was absolutely awful. We're not going to be renegotiating his contract so he gets less money Play out the contract you signed it you want to renegotiate it's up to the Red Sox if they want to do it do they do they value him yes is he worth more money than the six years for 120 hey we appreciate the discount we appreciate the fact that you want to pull the Tom Brady effect take less money so that we could build a better team around you full transparency I don't feel like we've done that I feel like we probably could have paid Xander Bogarts a, a couple extra million a couple extra you know three to 4 million per year, give him 24, 25. Am I okay restructuring it or giving him more of a bonus, giving like uh, another y- two years? Sure. Is that what's going to happen? No. How do I know that? We haven't resigned Devers yet. Why the heck are we talking about Bogarts? That's the, the thing. If all of a sudden you're focused on trying to resign Xander Bogarts, whose heart is not 100% in Boston, what does that tell Raphael Devers? Okay, cool. So I can go test the market then. This is going to be worse than when Mo Vaughn left for nothing. Literally nothing. He left as a free agent. Red Sox got nothing. It could be potentially worse with, Ro- with Raphael Devers. Xander Bogarts, I, I I, truth be told, like if he had gotten moved, I would have said, you know what, it'll be weird not having him, but I would have lost... No, I would have I wouldn't have felt any major loss because of what happened and the, the the conversations that he wanted to, you know, get involved with and the distractions that he created himself. Completely unprofessional, in my opinion. Dude, you signed a contract. That's on you. And again, I, and I'm going to reiterate this. You start playing great, you want to make more money. Sure, I get it. I understand that. Here's the thing. If you don't play well, we can't renegotiate the contract and pay you less. So I'm just that's that's one of the things that I've kind of got gripes with. That's just me, though.
1: I think it's very possible the Red Sox can be like, well, you know, this is the player we think you are, and they might cite his declining defensive numbers. And they are, yeah, and they could, or they're just going to negotiate a deal that's less than what they want. They meaning uh, Xander and Boris. I got a quote from Xander. This was earlier today. One of the beat writers. Now. The text. Of it. Seems to. Seems to give it the context of. Xander was a little bothered by the Korea news. But. I would have to, you would obviously have to hear the quote to really know the exact context, but here's what he said. He goes, he goes, quote, and he's talking about Correa, by the way. He says, quote, I mean, I guess that's what he wanted. In the end, he signed it. He's been an excellent player throughout his career since he came up. He's been injured a couple of times, but when he's on the field, he's definitely one of the best players in the game. So what's the the way he like he started the statement kind of struggling to find like words for it. It wasn't like a surefire, like, oh man, that's a home run contract. Good for him. He he was he was he seemed like he was searching for it a little bit. So I just think I think Xander's a lot more worried now about his future. He's he's a little more skeptical on what next winter might bring if he opts out. I don't think he has the same confidence he has coming into this winter. Like he's gonna have to have a stellar year. And last year after the All-Star break, he hit a brick wall and just never got going again. And he's never been super great in the postseason. He doesn't have this great postseason pedigree. He hasn't been terrible, but not he doesn't have those David Ortiz type moments. So we'll see with Xander, but I think if the Red Sox would throw him Marcus Simeon money, let's say 175 million over seven years, I think he'd be happy with that. I think he was thinking well North of that coming into this winter, but I just think he really wants the stability of, of a decent deal. And then to just kind of move on with his career and just
0: go ahead. So, yeah. So Xander, cause I remember, um, there were multiple times where, uh, I would say that Xander was, was a dud. Didn't have any home runs. Didn't have any RBI's didn't score any runs. Didn't have any home runs. Didn't have any RBI's didn't have any runs. You're not doing your job. You're supposed to be one of the leaders offensively, leaders defensively. In the month of August, after August 17th, three RBIs, four RBIs, two runs scored. Um, Month of September, three homers, nine RBIs. Did not get a run knocked in in a game that he did not have a home run. The Mets had a home run, four RBIs. The, uh, The Orioles had a home run and four RBIs. Seattle had one home run one RBI. That's it. That's it. So it was it was baby boom or nothing. And the home runs that he had was a three run shot against Baltimore. I I wanted to look it up because I was like, you know what, I think you're right. And then he had a a two run run, homer a two run single. He did hit a brick wall. And numbers don't lie. People do. You can say all oh, you damn well please about Xander being this and Xander being that. He's getting older. He's 28. Is the climb here? It very well could be. You're seeing the batting average drop 10 points, 5 points. You're seeing um, on-base percentage kind of sluggishly, uh, sluggishly change. His on-base percentage sluggish, all those numbers are dropping. Stolen bases isn't happening. Home runs played a full season, but he's still 10 home runs. And 38 RBIs down from where he was in 2019. Didn't walk as much, struck out almost the same amount of times, and he had 97 or 95 less plate appearances. So, I don't know. I, I mean, if if someone's going to try to tell me that Xander Bogarts is worth 25 million, I mean, okay, sure, but I want to believe that. We can allocate those funds towards, I think, a more productive, um, in in a more productive way. Because I don't think signing Xander Bogarts long term is going to win you a World Series. He's, he's just not going to do it.
1: And we're loaded with middle infield prospects, so we don't need them. You've got in, at, Meyer, yeah, York.
0: Uh, yep, you, you just said it. You know. Three years into this extension, if we were to redo it again, in three years you're going to have seventy five million of dead money. He's not going to be worth twenty five million a
1: year. And he's actually twenty nine, believe it or not. He'll turn thirty on October first, so he'll literally be thirteen, uh, uh, 13 30 Excuse me, three zero thirty when he opts out. So that's kind of a a territory that the Red Sox aren't too thrilled with. Waving bye bye. <laughs> so I think I think Xander feels a little bit more vulnerable, like I said, than he, he feels like. And I would not be shocked if at some point today Scott Boris has called the Red Sox front office to kind of get a feeler on whether or not they can try to negotiate something. His last extension was literally negotiated the day before opening day.
0: Right. That's right, April 1st of 2019. Yep. So You got it.
1: So Yeah, there's a little bit of precedent there, and uh, we'll see. Now, the Red Sox have been in on Trevor Story, and it's been a a fairly quiet day. Yesterday was pretty intense. All offseason long, it's been Heyman connecting the Red Sox to, to different players, and it's only been John Heyman. But then Ken Rosenthal comes out yesterday and said, the Red Sox are firmly in the mix for Trevor Story. So... A lot more credibility with Ken Rosenthal when he comes out and says something. So here's the holdup though. Well, there's two number one, as we've said, his elbow is a mess. And apparently he doesn't have the right arm slot to, to throw the ball from second base. Apparently he has to play shortstop and he had UCL damage going back as far as 2018 and if you're a casual fan, your UCL is the muscle in your elbow. If that tears significantly, you have Tommy John surgery. Mostly pitchers have it, but some position players have been known to do it. Um, a couple of Yankees players have had to have it. Uh, Dede Gregorius in recent years. Carl Crawford had it when he was with the Red Sox. Um, Corey Seager, as we mentioned, had it a couple years ago. So it's not super uncommon for these guys to have to have it. And Correa might be one of those guys. So there's a big red flag there. Xander Bogarts has said very publicly in just the last 24, 48 hours that he sees himself as a shortstop and he doesn't want to play any other position, but shortstop. He's been very emphatic about that. So, If story does come to the Red Sox, it's going to have to be as a second baseman. And I'm just wondering if there's a little bit of frustration in the Red Sox front office about Xander not being flexible to switch and take one for the team. Earlier today, you, you have Christian Arroyo, who would be the second baseman, say, hell yeah, sign Corey Seager. Put me in left field or something. I'll do anything to make this work. But Xander's like, nope. I'm, I'm only playing second uh, I'm only playing shortstop. So I, I just wonder if there's a little bit of frustration there. So you, there,
0: there's absolutely some frustration. You're absolutely right. and there's two reasons for that. One, Sander Bogus doesn't feel like he needs to, to bend the knee for, for Trevor Story. It's his team. In his mind, this is his team. Here's the other thing. Second baseman statistically speaking and factually speaking, do not get paid nearly as much as shortstops do. And if he gets labeled as a second baseman, you're in a different market. You're in a different class. You're not in the same group as Carlos Correa and Trevor Story and uh, Javi Baez. And uh, who am I missing? Um, I just, I'm missing one.
1: Seager, Baez. Seager,
0: Baez, uh, Correa, Correa. Bogart. Story. Yeah. Right. I think I or now we got all five. There we go. Great work. Go team. Um <laughs> you're going to be labeled as a second baseman. Javier Baez was a second baseman before he was a shortstop, and then he was kind of flipping between the two, but he kind of morphed to whatever he needed to, to do wherever he needed to be. Xander Bogarts does not want to do that because he does not want to get mislabeled. If he does opt out, you can make an argument. Well, teams are only going to see him as a second baseman because that's what he did last year. You know, he, he's kind of over the hill for playing shortstop. Shortstop is not a position that you play when you're on the wrong side of 30. Usually you start to move over in the nineties. The Red Sox had a player. I believe John Valentin was a shortstop and then he moved over to, to third and then played second a little bit too. He was all over um, because that's what the team needed. Xander Bogarts. If you want to win your team over, you want to win the fan base over you say, okay, cool. I still view myself as a shortstop. I still would like to play some games at short, maybe days that Trevor gets a day off. I'll go back and play short too. So that way we can make this work. We can be a nice cohesive team, make a proper cohesive bond, incorporate a player that wants to potentially come to Boston, maybe short term, maybe long term. We don't know. But why don't you actually show that you're the leader? There's two types of leaders. There's those that have the leader title, and those that actually showcase why they're a leader. That's it. It's like the expression being on top of the world. You can be on top of the world once in your life, before school is over or after. It's your choice. Right now, this is going to be the defining moment for Xander Bogarts. Are you going to be a petty, petulant child and not have the Red Sox sign someone who could make the team exponentially better because you want to keep your position? Or are you going to say, you know what, let's bring him in. Let me say with someone who's not a consistent starter, who has not been able to be healthy, Krishna Royo, saying, yeah, I'll play left field, I'll play, I'll, I'll warm the bench, I'll do whatever to make this work. Like, whatever, it doesn't matter. That is the type of person you want on your team. It's like Brock Holt. I'll, I'll do whatever, just tell me where you want me to go. Those are the guys you want on your team. Not the, no, no, this is my position, you have them go somewhere else. But. The, that doesn't tell me like you're all about the team. That tells me you're all about you.
1: And Xander has not been a good shortstop at any point in his career. He's never been elite. He's never even been above average. He's actually been below average for much of it last year, negative five defensive runs saved negative five. He's just, he's not a good (laughs) shortstop. And second baseman typically don't get paid as much. Javi Baez another example got 120 million. Um Simeon, I mean he did get 175. Chris Bryant, a third baseman, uh, got 182. So I think Xander could be in the upper 100s, maybe exceed 2, but but I don't think he's going to get that mega deal either regardless. Here's an outside the box idea. It's not that realistic. It's very hypothetical, but why not try Xander in left field? There's a little bit of versatility there. I mean, that's, that would be attractive to me if I'm, if I'm looking for a player next year, I'm going to say two things. The first
0: one is back to Marcus Simeon. Marcus Simeon doesn't get injured. Marcus Simeon two of the last three seasons, including COVID season, played 162 games. Mark Semin can hit over 30 home runs consistently. Yeah. He does his job. He can mash and he can play. That's why he got the contract he got. Because he, when it's hot out, he's going to be sending balls to the moon. That's why he got the deal that he did. To your second part, Xander Bogarts in left field. Uh, Part A, part B. Part A, what's in your water to make you think that? (laughs) Part B, has it ever been discussed or considered before? Because to the best of my knowledge, he has only ever played second, short, and third. I, I believe he did play some second, right, at one point?
1: I don't remember it, but he might have.
0: So then short and third. Yeah. Baseline. It could happen. Chris Bryant was a third baseman who played, I think what left field. Yeah. For Chicago, he played like left first and uh, left first and third. I think he played all three.
1: And I don't think, I don't think left field is quite as hard really. I I think he's fast. He would have a decent bit of range. We don't know how his arm is from out there, but um, we had Johnny Damon in center all those years. So, uh, so I, I don't know. I, I think Xander might have a little bit of a confidence problem. I think he was, he definitely had it early in his career and let's face it offensively. He's only come on the last few years. He he got started slow and we always figured he would get there and, and he did end up getting there, but I, I don't, I don't know what it is. And the hilarious thing to me, I don't think the Red Sox are going to sign Trevor story. I just think there's too many red flags and at this point, I'm just more mad they didn't make other moves. Uh, Story's been my guy all, all offseason anyway. That's, that's the guy I've said this whole time. He's the value guy. He's the guy who's not going to break the bank. That still gives you a decent power, good defense. And that, that's been my guy. But with the red flags with his elbow, apparently the Yankees are in the mix now. So it's laughable. It's laughable. Yeah. And the, the Red Sox lost out on Soler today. We thought he could be a potential backup plan. He ended up signing three years, 36 million with the Marlins with opt outs after the first two years. So he, he there's no real, I, I guess Michael Conforto's on the market and I, I haven't looked him up, but he would certainly be an upgrade over Bradley in the lineup every day if they wanted to shuffle some guys around out there. But it's it's a messy season. But what would have been hilarious is if Story did get signed, came in, played second base. The first week Xander committed two errors, this Red Sox fan base would be at Civil War. Because, Agreed. Because they'd want those guys to flip. They'd be like, put the better defender over there. Put story at short that way. It's not totally bad on the left side with Devers and and story. And then let have Xander play second. If I were Xander, I I would take one for the team, but that's not going to happen. And Alex Cora is going to back Xander all the way. Right? So it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be very, very
0: tough is it's not over yet either. Like that's the other thing, too, is we still have a little bit of time left. I just uh, – it's different than the the J.D. Martinez situation. J.D. just, you know, it didn't seem like he he wanted to come to Boston. And, and I, truthfully told, did not want him to come at one point. I was like, if you don't want to be here now, don't come. We we don't need – we don't want someone who is not going to be about the team. If you're just about yourself, toodaloo. Thank you. I'm good.
1: Nick Castellanos, another guy, came off the board, signed a five-year, $100 million deal with the Philadelphia Phillies. They also got Kyle Schwarber. Here's the interesting Insane. thing. Here's mm. the interesting thing. They both cost a combined $179 million. Colorado gave 100 and 182 to one player, Chris Bryant. Dombrowski comes in and gets two really good bats for for the price of one, basically not great defense. I don't know how they're going to work that out because Bryce Harper is one of the worst defenders in the league. So right. you're going to have shore DH. So he, he shouldn't factor in, but you're going to have Harper and Castellanos on the corners. So we'll see. Joe Girardi seems happy. I I watched him do an interview today. I forget who the reporters were. I think they were from MLB network. He is like, happier than a five-year-old in a candy store he's really excited about his team this year and they've signed some guys in the pen as well um uh, it's slipping my mind already who they've signed but they did add a couple of arms to the pen and they got a decent rotation with nola and wheeler in there so so i think wheeler's insane
0: Wheeler's is really good
1: yeah, I'm gonna say Atlanta wins the division because I've got no reason to pick against them. I think Matt Olson for Freddie Freeman's a bit of a push. Uh, you know, Freeman's obviously a little bit better, but uh, they added Kenley Jansen as their closer today or yesterday. Atlanta did, so I'm just gonna That's I'm cool. just gonna give it to him right now. But but the interesting race to me is gonna be between the Mets and the Phillies. One of them should be a wild card team, especially with an extra one being added this year. So which team's going to go up in flames and which team's finally going to make it. I think I'm taking the Phillies. I, I actually last year, I
0: think I was the only one in the group. I don't remember if Zach also said it too, but I think he and I were the only two that said Mets. yeah. And I'm going to say Mets again. I think, okay. I think I'm going to go with the Mets again. I, th- I just, I got to stick to my gut here. I think they're going to figure it out. I really want to believe that there's a just maybe there's a snowball's chance that their starting rotation doesn't all go down before
1: June. They're so deep though. I think it's incredible. DeGrom's having Tommy John. I'm convinced of that. He'll have it probably by the end of May. But Buck Showalter brings instant credibility to that team, and the inmates will not be running the asylum on his watch. Not not there. So I'm with you. You could be right. You could be right. Girardi is a similar manager, but this is, I think, his third year in Philly, and mm-hmm. it just hasn't hasn't uh, panned out so far, which has kind of surprised me a little bit because they've definitely had some talent over there. They do have a bottom yeah. five farm system already with uh, Dombrowski, so so yeah, so Castellanos off the board. Red Sox did make one move. And that was to bring back Hansel Robles. And surprisingly it's on a minor league deal because I don't think there's any way he does not make the team. Like he's making it right. Right. My only thing in the back of my mind is, was there an injury concern and they're skeptical and they're just trying to see what he looks like in spring training. But I think, I think if you bring him back, And he's healthy, and he probably is. That's just a weird suspicion I just had. I think that does balance out the bullpen. I think your your best three righties, as much as I hate to say it because I can't stand them, is Matt Barnes. Then you got Ryan Brazier, who I'm a little bit more optimistic about, and then you'd have Robles, and then on the lefty side of it, you got Strom. Deekman and Darwin's in and Darwin's is a bit of a wild card but apparently he's changed his arm slot so we'll see what that does but I think between those six and then you still got Sawamora, Austin Davis, go ahead. Yeah no I, I mean Robles came back and
0: it, it was something that after a certain point last year he got rocked by his former team he came over from Minnesota gave four earned runs in that game. And then after that, the only other game that he allowed another run in was the following appearance. After that, never allowed another earned run. Zero earned runs from August through the end or through the beginning of October. Over an entire month, did fine. And if I'm not mistaken, was it one year for $2 million? Was that the minor league
1: deal? I didn't get the financials on it. If he makes the team, okay. that's probably what it is, yeah.
0: I'm okay with him getting $2 million. I'm totally okay with him taking two mil because like you said, I think he is going to make that team. Um, we have, we've got a lot of lefties in there. I'm curious to see which ones are going to get taken, but confidently, I don't know which, which righty I feel, you know, very good about because we don't have a closer. We, we don't, we don't know who's going to be setup man one or setup man two. It's still very much in the air. I, I'm actually okay. Bringing back someone that has uh, uh, some level of familiarity with the team.
1: I think the next closer, the next stud closer we have is just going to be someone from within, whether that's Brian Mata in a year or so or someone bizardo maybe. I, I have no idea who's going to... Some people still think Tanner Houck is destined for that role, but but I, I would have loved to have had a Joe Kelly type guy, but that's the one area where I'm okay with how Bloom is doing it because I'm... you know. Cautiously optimistic. We'll we'll have a decent bullpen, but but there's a lot left to be desired in this lineup, and the rotation's got a lot of wild cards. Nick Pavetta pitched a perfect game today, or, or well, a scoreless three innings. So I'll take that. That's I'll not... take a
0: perfect game from him for
1: three innings. But, yeah, exactly. That's nice to see. So, um, pretty frustrated so far, though. For this winter, I, if we don't get story, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I don't think they want to trade serious prospects for anyone. Cause I think bloom is obsessed with having a top two or three farm system. So I, I don't think he wants to weaken the farm system at all. What it's,
0: uh, what it's going to come down to is if you do not get story and, or, Resign sign Rafi Devers to a proper long-term contract. I think it's fair to say that as the president of baseball for the Boston Red Sox, you failed. You failed. You did not understand the assignment. That's that meme that went around everywhere. You didn't understand the assignment. You did not understand the assignment. It is not that hard. You need to show your... Forget about showing the fans, because right now there is a large majority of the fan base that probably is not feeling so good right now. Like, yeah, we beat the Twins 1-0. We're 3-0 in spring training. Guess what? These are meaningless games. They do not matter. Some of the players that are on this team will not play for the Red Sox this year. Some of the players that we're facing are not going to be playing for their clubs this year. We're facing college kids, washouts, whatever players. These games are meaningless. I don't care if you hit eight home runs in spring training you hit 380. If you hit 210 in, in the regular season with one home run and two RBIs for two months, it's garbage. So, you have two jobs, two jobs. Get Trevor's story. If you can't do that, resign Rafi Devers. If you couldn't do either one of those, what in the hell were you doing for thirty plus days?
1: What were you doing it's it It's he, on the wall it's 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 it. He completely misplayed this whole winter I, I feel like yeah. I wonder if they regret not making a stronger play for Javi Baez. Inconsistent bat but still a good defender. You know, he's a bit of a free swinger, so that's what I didn't like about him, but
0: I I have to uh look at his numbers as far as injury because I don't I don't know if he had a lot of injury problems. I know there was one season where he didn't play. He ended up um I just don't remember when it was early on in his career. So it's 2015 where he just, and that might've been also like part, part, part injury, part rookie. But I, I thought there was a time where he did get injured and he was out for a while, but he's actually been incredibly consistent. Like as far as getting on base, hitting led the league in RBIs back in 2018 came up as the runner up in the, uh, MVP category for that year. Um, I was actually pretty shocked that he didn't get as much money as he did. I was pretty shocked.
1: Well, actually his career on base is only 307, so he's kind he of he can mash. He, he can. Yeah, he's one of those all or nothing type batters at the plate, so so that that's why I I wasn't really in on him. Str- Trevor Storey has been my guy, but admittedly the the elbow issues kind of bother me, so um, if they get him, I mean, I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna throw a fit. I'm gonna hope that it works out, but I'm with you. If if he does need Tommy John, how they could play it is hopefully he'll be able to play this season, but in the off season, he has the Tommy John. And then next year for at least half the season, he's your DH with JD gone. So that's how you get around keeping him in the lineup and then I think with position players and Tommy John typically it's only like an 8 or 9 month recovery. It's not quite right. the same as a as a pitcher, so correct. So, I mean that's one she- way they could do it, but
0: yeah, uh, sorry, um, didn't mean to interrupt you. J.D. Martinez is also, uh, there was an article that came out saying that he wanted to end his career in Boston.
1: <laughs> and,
0: uh, I mean, I get that. Like, I understand why he would want to do that, but I don't see, if for some odd reason the Red Sox end up re-signing J.D. Martinez and they missed the boat on the other two, that's not going to be a, hey, but we re-signed J.D. Martinez. That's not like,
1: you're not, not forgiven. Yeah, Yeah, that, that's,
0: that's that's not a win here. Yeah, I... So,
1: and and better. the Red Sox could. I mean, we just don't know where their mind is at. Like, Bloom said at the end of his last press conference that they were going to begin extension talks. So who's that with? Right. Hopefully Devers, but... I'm uh,
0: God, it, it has to be Devers. It must be.
1: Right. And then he's your third baseman for as long as he can be, and then eventually right. your DH. But... Okay. Frustration. So, tonight we're at 12.12 a.m., officially Sunday morning. So, we broke our streak of breaking news on the show. It didn't happen tonight. So, we'll see what happens. But with story, I mean, the Red Sox aren't said to be out of it, but the Yankees are back in it. The Rangers were said to be in the the sweepstakes for him. They're considering short-term deals, which... I don't think it makes a ton of sense because it's going to, there's going to be at least three top guys on the market next year for middle infielders. And right. so we'll, we'll see how it goes. But uh, as soon as news does break, we'll be back to cover it and hope you guys are enjoying the baseball overdose as one of our uh, ardent supporters, uh, March Maznest, would say. So uh, yeah, so we'll be back probably in the next 24, 48 hours. Everybody have a good rest of your weekend. Take care.